only goal was having the kids, not going to work, taking care of them, mm. almost like settling to be the stay-at-home mom. And I use the word settling because if you have made it as a choice, that's great. Mm. But when it comes out as a default that this is what you're supposed to do, then you're settling into yes. it. So there's a massive difference. There's a lot of women nowadays who choose to do that, more power to them. Mm. And if that is how they want a portion of their life to go, that's great. But when it is handed over to you, it feels different. In 1837, Horace Mann created the education system, a system at the time designed to pump out factory workers and professors. The same system that is still being used today in the 21st century. Now, Mann's system is backfiring. We are being molded by the same industrial system that has existed for close to 200 years. That system delivers us into a digital economy that has no need of our outdated skills. This isn't our teacher's fault. This isn't the government's fault. This is due to a rapidly changing world full of technology and unforeseen circumstances. And us Gen Zs are caught in the middle. Welcome to the Driven Young podcast, the podcast for stressed, overwhelmed young Australians, teaching you practical life skills you can implement now to set yourself up in life. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast, and today I'm joined by Rupa Partha-Sarathi. Rupa's daughter reached out to me who listens to the show and recommended her mum comes on the podcast, which is super sweet, so of course I invited her on. Rupa is the founder of Mind Chakra, a creative arts wellness studio that offers creative art and art therapy experiences as early interventions. It's like a gym for mental fitness. She was born and raised in India and has a very unique and interesting perspective I think we can all learn from. In this episode, we talk about her story, growing up in a culture where she's expected to marry into a family and become a full-time mother and how she broke out of that, why mental fitness is important, why she created her studio, what she's seeing and the struggles young people are going through currently, how it works and so much more. As per usual, please DM me if you enjoy the show. Make sure you leave a rating or a review on whatever podcast player you use. That would mean a lot to me. And if you haven't already, make sure to join up to my challenge, 20 Things to Stop Doing in Your 20s. All the links are in the show notes below. Now, over to Rupa. Rupa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Byron. Thanks for having me. Very excited. Um, your daughter reached out to me and um, recommended you come on the show, which I've actually had happen before. So I always love when I see that because it's like, obviously, you have a strong connection. So that's amazing to see. So you're doing some really cool stuff um, with young people. You talk a lot about mental health and a bunch of other cool stuff. Before we get into, I guess, the meat of that, I'd love to just know what, do you, what did you do after high school and what was your journey like in that decision-making process? Sure. So... When I finished high school, I didn't have much of a choice. Um, I wanted to do medicine. However, from my family upbringing, my, my brother already had gone into engineering and to join medicine meant I had to leave the state. Um, I come from an Indian heritage and in that there's a lot of decision-making process happens when the girl has to go out. Where will she stay? Who will she stay with? Mm. Is the hostel okay? So... I settled in for not traveling to go and do medicine and did my nutrition and dietetics. It's a Bachelor of Science uh, at home. And my only ambition was to marry someone and get settled. Mm. And um, and that's it. That's, that's the only career aspiration or, or if you even say life aspiration I had at that time. I wish I had known what I know now at 40 when mm. I was 19. Um, but no, Cub. I can't blame everything on the culture, but culture played a, a massive role on where, how my life shaped. Um, 
And actually, my journey on where I am now actually started with this idea of I could not become a doctor then. Who is stopping me now? Mm. Sorry, it was la- very late into after having the kids. Um, I had this realization because I carried a lot of blame and a lot of, um, you know, underlying issues, which was like, okay, uh, life seemed completely different outside when I came into the real world mm. and I wanted to change it. And that's that's what happened. So at 19, I was naive. I had a very, very rosy picture of life. I thought a woman's place is in the kitchen making home right, and having babies. Yeah. And so obviously your your perception of that has changed now? It's completely changed. Mm. It's like um, if – it's almost like if I – I can actually see that 19-year-old and tell her that's not the world – that's not all about the world is there too. Um, there's nothing wrong in it, mm. but – you're actually settling for something even without knowing what's out there. Absolutely. And I think it's almost like you don't have... It's like your pathway is being made for you. Yes. It's like you're not in control of your life. You're just going, going through the notions. It's like, okay, you're born, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, then you die. Yes. Not that, again, there's obviously good stuff that happens in that, but it's like it feels like you're not, you're not, in, you're not in control of your life if you're just going, I marry someone, have kids, and kind of... It's very traditional and yeah, and and add to the layer of I don't even I didn't even think I had control over what I had. Mm. Like I didn't even miss. I didn't know that there should be control over my life. I thought everybody is doing it. I though some of my friends did venture out in, into the career and having families, but I was like, if you're anyway going to have a family, I might as well have it. Mm. And my only goal was having the kids not going to work, taking care of them, Mm. almost like settling to be the stay-at-home mom. And I use the word settling because if you have made it as a choice, that's great. Mm. But when it comes out as a default that this is what you're supposed to do, then you're settling into it. So there's a massive difference. There's a lot of women nowadays who choose to do that, more power to them. Mm. And if that is how they want a, a portion of their life to go, that's great. But when it is handed over to you, it feels different. No, there's a huge difference. I completely agree. You've got people who are just conditioned into it. And they, I think the people who are conditioned into it are unaware. They're not even sure of the other options, which I think you were at 19. You weren't even sure. But then if you are aware and you make that decision, that's fine. But I think the important thing is that we, we educate people to understand they, are, they have full control to make the decision. And they are in control and they can kind of figure it out from there. Very true. And see, I, I think deep down I wanted to be good at what I, I, I did And so there was always this drive to be the best wife, the best Mm. mom, do the best thing. And I used to use all my research skills on how do do I become a good parent? How do I make the best meal? How do I keep my home home well? And then circumstances forced forced me to take up um, employment, right? And by that time, I had no clue what employment I had to go to because Mm. I had done a science degree in nutrition and dietetics. I'd got married to a guy and moved to... Uh, United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi, to live with him. I had no clue on the lifestyle of what that was going to be. Mm. And there, my Bachelor of Science was not accepted. Right. So I had to do a bridging course in Arabic um, to kind of get myself recertified if I had to work as a dietitian, or I could become an IT professional, which seemed to be, or uh, settle in to be a receptionist or a customer service specialist in, Mm. in a company. I did try for a while to become an IT professional because that was another 
kind of booming industry which was happening everybody was doing programming yeah. so i enrolled myself in a year of programming um again did not secure a job as an it professional and because i was on my husband's visa there are there was limited amount of job opportunities yeah, that you could do i could do um so i ended up being a reception receptionist for one of the engineering companies and it's then i realized the potential i had in me mm. for this aptitude to work for the aptitude for career and you when you start getting the money and when you start understanding that there is a whole financial aspect of independence which comes with having your own job that's when you know there was a slight shift but i'd already been conditioned to you know have the kids do the stuff which everybody yeah. did so i was always of the opinion that i'm going to um you know do this till i become pregnant mm. and then leave the job yeah and then just settle down in fact a funny story is the first ever job i did was cold calling for a travel agency mm. the second day of the job i hid myself in the toilet called my husband asked him to call the employer to say that there was an emergency and as soon as he did that i literally bolted out of that place hyperventilating thinking mm. i could never work because by that time i had not honed any of my skills to actually be employment ready i was not confident enough um to put myself in a workplace i was i felt really uncomfortable and i just bolted and i cried home and said i'm never ever going to do this to me please don't ask me to go to work mm. again today if you ask me to tell that girl it's very sad that a lot of girls in in my country and in, dif- in a lot of different countries still maybe feeling that way because and they think that it is their fault uh, because i was a graduate right i had and i i was as reasonably um you know articulate um it's not like i didn't have a base degree or i was not educated yeah. however i di- i lacked the confidence because i was never prepared to be in the workspace you had the skills the education you used lack the belief i lacked the belief mm. i lacked the belief and i also lacked the uh, confidence of that comes with that belief that i can do this mm. i always thought i was why am i doing this you know why should i answer to someone just because they have to pay me a couple of dollars mm. I didn't see the value in how much you can actually contribute your skills and remuneration is one part of it but the your personality development which happens your ability to teamwork mm. your ability to collaborate your ability even to just stand in your own power and make decisions mm. comes a lot with when you're getting remunerated right so oh, 100% and I guess that's where probably the next part of the conversation will go on to those sort of skills that we're seeing young people are required to have when entering the workforce. But I mean, I guess let's fast forward, you know, 20 years or so. What are you doing right now? Like, I know you've got your own company, you you know. So, 2 years back I founded a place called Mind Kshetra. Kshetra means in Sanskrit a place, a sacred place. So, it's a creative wellness studio. Um fast forward 20 years, I did change my career transition from a receptionist i became a corporate trainer um along that line mm. then i graduated and and did a graduate diploma in counseling then i took up masters in art therapy 
And that's how I ended up founding uh, Mindshetra. It's a creative wellness studio. It's like a gym, but for your mental fitness. And we use creative arts and creative art therapy as a mean to hone your mental fitness. And my ideology is that we need to tackle mental health in both ways. One, proactively do something as a daily ritual um, to take care of our mental health, have conversations about things that are um, kind of weighing down on us while taking care of our physical health. And also kind of a remedial, you know, if you are feeling anxious, if you are feeling depressed, then Mm. there are other things which you can do in order to take care of your mental health. So I want to tackle them in both both ways. Right, because I think the traditional way has been like, you don't do anything until you're depressed or something, and then you go and do something. But it's like we can be doing little stuff day in, day out to prevent us from ever reaching that point. Yes, it is, yes, it's early intervention, preventing yourself. There's a lot of factors which come into our, our mental health, right? Our, our health in itself is a very holistic thing. Our mental, physical, yeah. emotional, psychological, our genes, our lifestyle, a lot of things, our environment, our culture, a lot of things affected. While we are really focused on our health from a physical health perspective, we are kind of really pressing down issues which are actually bothering us and not taking care of it. So yes, it's early intervention. It's also about, hey, I think it's time I, I actually have to reach out. Mm. You know, what what is the grade in which you're feeling depressed, distressed, sad? Is it like every day? Like it's normal to feel sad, right? Uh, something happened to me today and, and then I was sad for a little while. But if that Sadness happens every day without any reason. Then that's a trigger. Mm. But what are we doing in order to f- watch out and know ourselves to see, okay, I think I've never been like this or this is my normal, right? This is how I am on a winter day morning. It's perfectly fine to, this has never happened to me. You know, why is this happening to me? Mm. And I guess it is kind of educating everybody on that, creating the awareness um, and also kind of taking care of um, the other things which happens when we have a lot of stress or if we get anxious or depressed and so on. Yeah. Well, you use a word kind of earlier on, mental fitness, which I've come across before. They say, I don't think it's mental health issues, it's mental fitness. Because the same way, you know, for your physical body, you've got to be going for runs and keeping up with your fitness every week, you know, consistently. It's the same with your mental health. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great, I guess, way to frame it. Is, is that why you frame it, mental fitness? Um. Actually, I, I ended up here to an after two and a half years of tests and permutation and combination. I started the space in itself, Mindshetra, because nobody was willing to give me a space where I could do art therapy. Mm. Uh, art therapy is a very emerging profession in within Australia. It's very well established within UK and US. In Australia, art therapy is just a, a field of psychotherapy where you use different art kind of mediums along with talking and psychoeducational benefits. Mm. You don't focus on the product, you focus on the process of making. And the ideology or the principle is that there are two things. You can use art as therapy or you can uh, do art psychotherapy where you would have a qualified uh, person there to facilitate you and navigate you to express, um, get in touch with your creative side and actually access the wisdom you already have. And it's like a kind of a problem solving, right? Um, So I stumbled upon mental fitness when I got a lot of um, feedback 
to say, I don't know what you're doing. Mm. What is this space? What is my internship? People didn't know how to say the name. People don't know why should I come. And uh, one of the reasons or one of the incidents which made me think about what you do, and again, I don't have a business background and I'm doing it as I'm going on, yeah, yeah. Uh, which has been fun, but I've done a lot of mistakes and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit that I do a lot of mistakes because I think there's a lot of fun in learning. So one of the time when I was going for a walk and there was a friend and I said, hey, you should come to our space. And she said, she took a t- step back and then she said, do you think there's something wrong with me? And I went, no, it's it's a mental health studio. Why would it? So do you think there's something wrong? Can you see there is something wrong? Are you diagnosed? And that kept me thinking as to why she would kind of assume that I presume that she had something wrong and she had to come in, which then made me think of, of the deep-rooted stigma which is still there about mental health. Um, when I tell about a healthy person and when I ask somebody to close your eyes and think about a healthy person, mm. um, probably what you would be thinking is someone who's like really lean, who's yeah. fit, yeah. in yoga outfit, yeah. Uh, able to do those difficult asanas, somebody maybe who's running, jogging, yeah. able to take weights. Now, if you close your eyes and I'm asking you to do, think about a person, about mental health. Most of the images which get conjured is somebody who's sad, who had hands on their head, who's yeah, depressed, yeah. crying. But in effect, the, the actual meaning of mental health means somebody who's working on their wellness. Mm. It's not, we have negative connotations, but it's just mental health. Yes. Like your mental health can be amazing. Your mental health can be bad. Yes. Yet for some reason, we perceive it as just mental health condition. Yeah, yeah. We perceive it as a mental health condition. So as soon as I say mental health and I'm running a mental health studio, people go, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, I'm yeah. So they, yeah, people who are they're coming to you because they need to be fixed when it's like, no, yes. anyone can come to this to work on their mental health. Yes. So then... The retort I told my friend is, if you have a mind, you can come to my place. Mm. If you admit that you don't have a mind, that's scary, but that's okay. I I leave it up to you, yeah. right? And you can laugh it off with, with a friend, but if you're trying to run a, a studio where you want people to come, um, that's when kind of I use this word mental fitness. It's just mm. a gym for your mind. Yeah, that's a good one. And so like, I mean, you spoke about like, creativity right a lot of your work is involved in creativity and I've I mean you've listened to a few of my podcasts if you've heard me talk about like I think school needs to include a lot more creativity mm-hmm. I did a video for visual arts and they gave us a year to work on one project now we also had to do exams and stuff within that but it was like so fun and they didn't they didn't help me at all all they did was give me the space to mm-hmm. be creative and so I think they've also done studies where like we do a game called interest mapping where we get everyone to sit down and you go all right you've got Three minutes, I want you to write down everything and anything that interests you. And it could be as deep as political equality between men and women. And then it could be Lego or Star Wars. So you go like really deep and really like, and just crush it out. And I've shown that on average, kids can get like three times more answers than adults or like young people in school because their minds are just so fresh and they've got so much creativity. And a lot of that kind of gets crushed as we go through exam results, marks, and just kind of go through the motions and I think creativity is really really important obviously you do a lot of work with that why is that have you you've studied it did you want to talk about the studies that have been done or like yes so I studied master of art therapy and the the premise of the master of art therapy is is looking and examining into both art as therapy and art psychotherapy 
And when I started the studio, I started with this intention that I wanted to offer solutions, not only at art psychotherapy, but art as therapy, but combining both. Mm. I had a corporate career by then. I was working with not-for-profit with young kids by then. I was going out to schools um, and getting and, and talking with young kids. And I was seeing that there's a lot of gap. So I thought, okay, well, how do I combine the psychoeducational aspects with a lot of art as therapy, creativity, design thinking, and, and put a course together where you can go, okay, if I go to a gym, I would do say, one hour of Pilates class, Mm. right? Or one hour of uh, boxing, or I could try different things. And then I would go, great, of all these things, I love boxing, so now I'm going to invest in the gloves, and then I'm going to get a Mm. trainer, and then I'm going to go ahead and do that and make that as a practice or a ritual for my everyday life, right? So that is how this entire concept was born. So what I do is using my studies which taught me and I wanted I want to do research there are some cool neuroscience researches which has been happening how creativity is actually good for uh, well-being and one of the intentions of starting the studio was having actually the base of working with people before I went into the research my life experiences have taught me that I often jump into things without thinking about it yeah, much. yeah. Uh, it's like, like that, that analogy they say you jump off the cliff. cliff and build a parachute on the way down. Yes. And I have hit the floor flat on my face, yeah. been bruised. I've had parachutes as, as friends who's taken me off the cliff before mm. I ran. I've had places where I had, you know, sometimes smooth landing. And so now because before I went into my research degree, I actually wanted to work with young kids and and, and know and be in the space of this one thing called education. Mm. there's one thing called learning there's one thing called implementation and application right i have a belief that while you're educating yourself you take in around 40 percent of the theories what they say to you you do your assignments Mm. you get that knowledge you know the base of what you have to do like like the recipes i know that i need flour i need uh, oil egg chocolate and, and then heating equipment, in order to do the cake, they'll give me the basic recipe of doing mm. that cake. So I've done that cake a few times. So I come out with the confidence that I've done it. And then I can then go on. And then I can then go on, use that template and make the cake. So I yeah, write yeah. down all my notes and go, oh, great. But it's different when you go into the outside world and people are making cakes of different sizes, different yeah, yeah. tastes, that, this. And then you go, okay, what? how do I apply this to my situation and how do I go there? So I say education is 40%. And then I realized that I had to have the experience in order to go before I do the research. Because if I did a research, it would be another four years of my life. Yeah, I'm not, I am young at heart, but my, my, my yeah, body yeah. has a certain <laughs> chronological age. And also there's a lot of uh, financial aspects to it. So I sure. often think that you have to test out. And that's how, um, you know, I'm now in the process of what you would get the middle one, applying what I've learned and testing and trialing to see before I jump off mm. the cliff again and do research. But a lot of research has been done, um, not as much as I'd, I would like. Um, but there are research evidences which shows that creativity in itself can actually improve your well-being. Well, something like I've, I've kind of spoke about, a lot of my friends are very like hard workers and something I've struggled with as well is like switching off. 
it's like switching off for me isn't just watching Netflix. Like that doesn't calm me down or like mm-hmm. relax me. And it's like, I was kind of talking the other day, I was like, I don't know how to relax or switch off. And I think a lot of it can be like doing the stuff you're talking about, like doing creative stuff and just like doing art, not because you want to make a really good painting because you just enjoy not having a phone, not having a screen in front of you, not worrying about anything and just letting yourself kind of be free. Like I got Lego for my birthday and I was like building the Lego and I was like, oh man, I forgot how much I enjoyed this. Like no distractions, you're just putting stuff together and you're just kind of like very relaxing. So I think it's something that's very needed in this like really hustle, 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 fast paced world on how to relax and how to like actually look after yourself in that way. Because I do believe in the future, the same way you've kind of built like a mental health gym could be very normalized. Mm-hmm. The same way a gym's normalized, especially with how high mental health conditions are coming out. Um, about 70% of the people between the age of 20 to 24 in 10 years will be di- diagnosed. 40 to 70% will be diagnosed with a mental health condition. Mm. Like they are marching towards that. Um, so we are talking, I think in Australia, we are talking around a population or around, don't quote me on the numbers, around 28 million or so people marching towards that, mm. right? So the need is like now here. So if we already know that 28 million in 10 years are going to be diagnosed with one or the other, then why aren't we doing something? We may not save the 28 million, but how about if we educate certain percentage of that population to be the peers Mm. because we know that young people listen to their peers more than their adults and that's how we all are why aren't you i would i would listen more to my friend than my mom yeah 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 so why aren't and that's the that's the kind of ideology i'm going with like you know i i know the secret the secret works right and have you, if you watched a kid play, you know, aimlessly, just mm. even jumping in puddles, putting the paint together. That's it. It's the process of what you're doing. So then people ask me, then why can't I do it at home, right? So it's almost like, of course you can. You can run from home, but you need to learn the basics of how to structure it so that you can be unstructured. Mm. Um, mental health needs a very psychologically safe space. Uh, so you need to be really aware. So if you're a very self-aware person, some people are. Um, again, I'm going to use the analogy of physical health in itself. Some people are way athletic. They know what they're doing. Yeah. They know that their gait and their strength and their strengths are. They can actually look at a YouTube video, put on their thing and go for running, use the apps. Great. But there are some people who need some coaching mm. around it. And there's no nothing wrong in actually coming together as a group. And we all know when we work in groups, is the best outcome because we brainstorm with each other. It normalizes our experiences. It's fun, right? When you're actually there, it's it's almost like I structure the space so that you feel psychologically safe to have an unstructured session. Mm. So where you can come, and we talk about topics. So every session has a different topic. So we'll explore boundaries. We'll explore anger we will explore relationships we will explore values we'll explore strengths some of these things which we don't are not paying attention to we'll we'll explore self-care what is the one thing you can do to calm yourself down Mm. right so a simple trick of breathing you know four minutes uh, four seconds in two seconds hold four seconds out Mm. do that for 10 seconds in six cycles that's a minute you can do it anywhere Mm. um some small tips and tricks. How do you identify that you're nervous? Like I came here and I was like really, really nervous, right? Um, and I was like, okay, what would I do uh, before I stepped in so that mm. I can 
put my best p- possible uh, way of communicating with you. So then I use my own grounding exercises to be here with you, right? Mm. And we all need those small tips and tricks is what I think. I mean, yeah, we call it getting into state. Yes. Like getting into the right state of mind. It, you know, we, we have a few different ways. Breathing's often a very big one to get into state. Um, and there are heaps, heaps of different ways of getting into state. Like there's another one I heard the other day. And he was saying, like, it's really good for your body to release energy. You can, like, scream. And so people think it's, like, crazy if you just scream right now, right? But he says, so don't scream. But what you can do is you can just, like, go into your arm and just go, and it's, it, it seems really weird and stupid, but it's actually very healthy if you to let that out. And so if you are frustrated or you have stuff, just go into the toilet and just, like, scream into your arm. So mm-hmm. that's, like, a more extreme one of kind of what you're talking about. And it's just recognizing those signs in your body as well. I encourage... Um so one of the th- tricks I use a lot uh, when you're nervous, when you're angry, when you're not able to tell somebody, uh, sometimes for relationships, you're not able to verbalize that you're upset, frustrated, uh, or you could be overwhelmed with whatever is happening. So, And um, I always uh, suggest to my daughters is you write down everything mm. uh, in a paper and don't think about it. You know, it can be as bad as I this shit or mm. whatever language you want to use. Yeah, no one's going to see it. Yeah, nobody ever going to see it. And then you either bury it, you tear it out, uh, or you burn it. Well, you'd love what we do at Empower You. And this is, I mean, we don't share it too much. But Have you done a board break? No, not yet. No. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say it. We do it. At the end of Empower You, the program we run on the Saturday night, we get everyone to write down. And this is like a three-hour process. We build it up, so I'll just rush through it. But we get them to write all the negative stuff on one side of the board. We give them a block of wood, mm-hmm. and they write all the negative side on one side. And then they, it takes them a few minutes. And some people write full essays. Some people just write key things they don't like about themselves. And then we flip it, and they write all the positive stuff on the other. And then we get everyone up, and we do this whole process, and they've got to break the board. Mm. And it's like this metaphorical thing, and they like smash through the board, and then we give them a huge hug, and they lose a lot of them more like – if they're connected to the board emotionally, they'll like cry and like get very emotional. And it's like – it's one of the most incredible things ever. And so we do that like on a Saturday night. So very similar, you know, burning, ripping, tearing. And it is literally, but we're, when you've got wood, it's even more powerful because mm. a lot of the time they can't break it. It takes mm. them a few hits. Yes. And so getting really frustrated. They're hitting it a few times because they're, they're like this thick, you know, you've got to hit it pretty hard. And so you've really got to be connected. And so when you finally hit it and it's just like, oh, it's such a breakthrough. It's a great release in itself, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's always just incredible. And some people don't connect at all, but you know, most people usually do and they're like really connect with it and it's really beautiful. So Clearly, you know, it works. Yeah. And when um, I connect with the thing which you said, I can relate to some people don't connect at all because there's a lot of trust uh, which goes into trusting the process. Yeah. And we are all wired differently. And and maybe there is something, the solutions which we offer is not for everybody. And it will only happen when we trust the process, right? Mm. But we don't trust the process again for different reasons, maybe because of our upbringing, our conditioning. We think, you know, wherever we are coming from, it could be just the point in time as well. Like you don't trust at that minute, at that space, or you don't feel comfortable with the crowd. And, and often... I kind of think we don't talk about this at all, like not t- trusting the process and thinking like it, one solution is for all. But it need not be. You just need to try everything till you figure out if that solution was for you. If it is not, you just need to yeah. wipe off and go, okay, it didn't work for me. That doesn't mean it's not a bad solution or, or a wrong solution for somebody else. Yeah. It just could be something which didn't work for you. Well, and that's something I see with like online. I've dealt with a lot. It's like when people talk about stuff, you don't have to agree with them. And there's another thing, it's like just if you people I feel like nowadays, if you if they someone they admire says one thing they disagree with, they're like, I don't like that person. It's like it's very rare you're gonna meet someone in your life and you agree on everything. Mm-hmm. Probably impossible. It's like 
just because you disagree with one thing doesn't mean they're a bad person. And so my point is when I put out lots of content, I'll put out content, keeping in mind my age that I target is kind of like 16 to 22. And people will be like, that's wrong, that's incorrect, or that's not, that's not right and stuff. It's like, no, it is right for this age. It's just not right for you. And I'm saying there's so much like anger going through that. And I think if people understood, as you said, it's like just focus. It, it might not be right for you, but it will be right for someone else. So there is no wrong or right. And, and I think what I see in this uh, social media as such, and which we talk about in our household a lot, it's almost about a group majority mentality. Mm. If the first 10 loudest people disagree with something, it looks like we all tend to turn our heads listening to the 10 people we should not be paying attention yep. to, right? However, the 90% of them, often when it is right keep quiet that's that's my issue i'm always just like i've had videos that have like you know twenty thousand likes on them which means people have liked the video and then all the comments are negative i'm like okay i'm confused this is a bad video do people not enjoy it but people are liking it but all the comments are negative because the people who like it aren't they're less likely to leave a positive comment but people who don't like it are more likely to leave a negative comment and that can really stuff with a lot of people and you're so spot on there like the top 10 i found on tiktok like for the first few hours of a video if it starts going viral if all the comments are negative, then it, it persuades everyone else to leave negative comments. And I think a lot of people are a little bit sheepish on TikTok. They're like, they can't make their own decision when they're watching a video. So they open up the comments to see what other people are saying. And if they're negative, they're like, oh yeah, screw this guy. If they're positive, they're like, oh yeah, this guy's really awesome because they're so influenced by other people's opinions. So I'll tell you one thing. If there were two people there at your end and say, if it's me and it's another person and I'm the loudest in the room, mm. I have a lot of jewelry and, and I'm like attracting all the things you may not like me but I'm there and there is a person who's really confident in themselves not so loud um, and their voice is a little meeker right who will we take the attention to right we will always yeah. take to the loudest one yeah often our heads turn and that's because our brains are wired like that right yeah. we are wired to notice disruption we are wired to actually tell and verbalize anger so that if we can't do it, if I can't do it, I'm not going to allow somebody else to do it. So mm. the motivation on the in and the motivation might be even innocent, you know? I don't know what good to say. I might if I might even say something to just stir the thing. And the first person who might have commented negatively might have not even looked at your content. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And they just hate you for being you mm. or kind of completely dislike you for being you. So they started off and then they get a lot of gratification when they yeah. actually see the other people. It's almost like I am the silent follower. You do the thing, you become the hero. They're like the anti-hero mm. taking off all the audience. And we do that. We always confirm to the group mentality. Again, well, that's you, confirming. You, so I was going to say on that point, have you heard of the six human needs? I think I have. The, I think Tony Robbins' team created them, and they're, they're great. It's like the six human needs. You've got like a variety. Yes. So you want a variety in our life, but then we also want certainty. Yes. We've got love and connection. We've got significance, and we've got growth. I forget the, the sixth one. I always struggle to remember them. But point is, when we talk about the six human needs, these are the six human needs that like, if you've got these needs in life, you'll be satisfied. You'll be living a good life and whatnot. And we should always be striving to have these needs met in our work, relationships, whatever. But we say typically people either can get them negatively or positively. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people get their needs met negatively. So that person who leaves a hate comment and gets people commenting under it, liking his comment, he gets his needs met. He feels significant. But it's in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Versus somebody who leaves a positive comment and gets, 
you know, likes and all that. They, it's the same thing, except one's positive, one's negative. And so a big reason people, you know, spew hate and talk and gossip and everything is because they're getting their needs met in a negative way. So they're still getting met. But we obviously in life, we want to try to strive to get them met in a positive way. But we also don't uh, reward people who, are, who do positive behavior the same way as True. we do attention to negative behavior. Mm. We never applaud anybody for being brave or talking the truth. Mm. We never say, that must have been really hard. We often go with the loudest and the most disruptive, most controversial opinion because we kind of think, oh, that's interesting, right? When you say, when you do nice, nice, goody, goody things and you say, wow, Byron, you're doing a great mm. job or I loved it, right? After a certain kind of, after a certain point, you, you're going like, oh, they're just idealizing. They're just mm. brown nosing you. They're just, you know, they're just saying it because they just want to be in good books of you. And, you know, hi, I can't do what he's doing. So I'm just going to stir the pot kind of thing. But we also as a society never acknowledge the good things. We don't teach kids that actually positive attention should be something which you should aspire for, mm. strive for. We give a lot of we give a lot of thought and structure to how do I discipline the kid? What how do we manage the behavior when stuff goes wrong? Mm. Right? How do we talk about not achieving the goals? It's bad if you don't achieve the goals, if you don't get the grades, if you don't make it. We will celebrate the kids who get the grades, but up to a certain extent. Mm. But we will never acknowledge the kids who always does the right thing in school, stands up for a friend, speaks up loudest in the class, yeah, and is kind. We will never say a, a kid it's, is kind or it's compassionate. It's all grades at school. Yes. And th- this is my issue. Like I was always like I always participated well in school. I always put my hand up and tried to get conversations going, but I was not that good at exams. And so I always had like the same thing from every teacher. It was like, Byron participates so well in class. He's very motivated. He does the stuff. His results don't reflect it. He needs to work harder in exams or something. And always, again, in hindsight, just like you, it's very easy to look back and like tell my younger self. But at the, when you're 15, you don't know. Correct. And it's very frustrating because like, why aren't I getting these? Why am I not as smart as everyone else? And then you enter the real world and you go, oh, none of that actually mattered. And the skills that I have been de- developing are actually far more important than getting good marks, which is, and you know, you've heard me talk about this. It's, it, it's, makes me very frustrated because they also marks aren't very creative like there's not many skills in school that are creative Mm. like art was creative but then creativity is so impossible to mark because Mm. it's so subjective Mm. like i got a 50 out of 50 marked by the new south wales for my art project my school gave me a 35 this one my school it didn't matter that was just the estimate i got 35 but then the legitimate one got a 50 and it's like how is that possible so it's like and why should we even be marking creativity it, it I, almost takes the creativity, the fun out of it. It's like by structuring, you, you can't structure creativity. I think the education system in itself is, you know, has been designed to produce factory workers. It yeah. is, it's old, out, outdated. Um, and one of the criticisms I always get, I grew up in a very highly competitive environment. In India, if you're not an engineer or a doctor, you're nothing like you're nothing, literally nothing. So when I had to introduce myself, I would be very ashamed that I did a Bachelor of Science, right? Um, and marks were the be-all and end-all of everything. It's changing now, but how do you sis- change a system which has been so established for such a long time and, and then want to change it while it is working? Because mm. there is no alternate system at the moment. And COVID kind of disrupted everything in that sense. And I've always been frustrated with marks, right? 
for my when I was growing up, I was frustrated with marks because it it was not an indication of my intelligence, mm. my smartness, my ability, my personality at all. And in fact, I think because I had the marks, I did not feel confident enough to have that job. Right? I had all the skills, but I was an average student. Mm. And then I always thought, as an average student, what chance do I have? Right? And I always tell my kids, and, and I, ha- I was doubly kind of really peeved when I was raising my girls, because when I came here, um, and one of the peer groups of the parents, and, and, and my, my kids went to a public school, and everybody was hushing about putting them into selective school, right? And my daughter was around 11 years at that time, and I said, if she wants to go to selective school, she would. If she doesn't, she won't. Mm. Right. I did not come here to get a mark sheet or I'm not raising I'm not raising a a, a grader. I'm raising a human. Yeah. (laughs) I'm much more important that she kind of gets a taste of everything in life and Mm. then decides to be a good human being first. Nurse the nurse the norms of the society next Mm. and then figures out what she needs to do in life to earn a living. Earning a living is not the goal. Being a human is the goal. And so I was told, at 11 years, you're doing a disservice to your child by not putting them into selective school. So one of the mottos in my family has always been an exam is an assessment of a certain topic at a certain period in time. Yeah, You might have stayed up all night for acing it. You can still fail that, right? Because on that day, if an incident happens and somebody in your family is is affected, if you had an accident, if you are somebody who forgets because of anxiety, if you are somebody who just goes blank because there's a lot of stress, yes, you know all those things, you're not going to be able to reproduce them. So Mm. a grade is a marking of a certain period of time. That's all. Mm. Not more, not less. Yeah, I mean, I can only speak on Australia – like we still have such a high like if you have high grades you're smarter, and if you have have, have and if you're smarter you're going to do better in life you're going to make more money and it's like that's so so untrue yes so wildly untrue in fact the amount of people I know who got high marks they get really they get shocked when they enter university and they're not as smart and a lot of the skills don't apply and they enter the workforce and it actually can be counterintuitive because mm. something I've been saying recently is I think and I know this is kind of harsh but I think it's true. I honestly believe once you finish high school, you have to spend the next few years unlearning a lot of the habits and skills that you're forced to develop during those times. Yeah. Like hands up to go to the toilet, lining up single file, not being creative, not copying off each other. Like copying off each other in the real world is called teamwork mm. and it's encouraged. But in school, it's everything. You're boxed by yourself. How dare you look at someone else's work? Mm. You know, unless you're giving a group assignments. But then every uni student I know, none of them enjoy group assignments. So I don't know. They're, like they always hate it so again i don't think they're doing it too well either but it's group assignments is the best when it's not an assignment like in the real world when i'm working on projects like i just did a presentation two weeks ago that i've been working on for a long time and i've been kind of mapping out my head for like two years it was very emotional and i got my friend to sit down and we spent like an hour on the whiteboard and we mapped out the whole thing and structure the whole thing and i couldn't have done that without her and so i honestly believe when we finish high school we have to unlearn a lot of the stuff that we've been conditioned to believe so that we can actually fit in with the modern world Yes, and, and the modern world is changing by the minute, right? Oh my God, right? so fast. It is changing yeah. so, so fast. And, and teamwork, collaboration, being your unique self, 
uh, ability to handle stress, ability to work collaboratively, ability to take feedback, mm. you know, critical feedback. I, the critical feedback. Yeah. Often I think that kind of aspect is missing because when you, when you tell students, oh my God, your mark, and if you f- keep the focus on the marks and on the performance, it's almost like you are just taking one aspect of it. You're not telling them in order to get that performance, it's actually a journey. It's mm. like a marathon, right? You will fail. The aim is not to finish HSE with 100%. The aim is to kind of learn that these are certain subjects. If you apply certain study techniques, there is an ability to score a certain kind of percentage, which may or may not translate into what you want to do in life. Yes. And that's about it. That's a great great little two-liner there. Like, <laughs> it's so true, though. Like, I mean, we were speaking about this, and I love to bring up this conversation, the whole, you know, learning to enjoy the journey, which is actually my latest episode. I'm doing a series called Stop... Uh, 20 things to stop doing in your 20s. Mm-hmm. And one of them is stop being a winner. It's like, when I get this, when I get this, I'll be happy. When I get this. Because it's like, when I finish high school, oh, when I get my degree, when I get my bachelor's, when I get my job, when I get the raise, when I have kids, when I... And then just, you're never perpetual... You're always chasing the when. It's like one of the secrets of life is to focus on the now. Because yeah, that's the only place happiness really exists is in the now. Mm-hmm. How you live your days is how you live your life. And so when it comes to... When, when I talk about goal setting as well, it's like, yeah, great, set, set these big goals. I think it's great. But also what's more important is going, what are the daily tasks and rituals I can do that's going to help me achieve those goals? Because a goal is just a habit compounded over time. Mm. So a better goal than I want to lose weight is, you know, I want to lose five kilos by this date. That's better. The the third layer is I want to go to the gym three times a week. Mm -hmm. Because how do you lose weight? Well, you go to the gym. Or you go, I want to go for a run every morning for the next 10 days or whatever it is, right? How do I make it applicable now? And I think, you know, if you're in the HSC, everyone's hinging on, okay, I just need to finally get to my HSC. But as soon as you do that, it's going to be you're back into uni and you're back into something and it's never going to end. And because we pit kids against each other, they're yeah. having a high, a real, a real cultural shock when they get into the workforce because suddenly your peer who's supposed to be the person you are not supposed to copy, you, ha- you have to be the collaborator. So you've mm. lost all those social skills about how do, you, how do I now exchanges information and have trust in them right and you talk about goal setting i always always tell and and this is something we do with mind shitra as well setting intentions for the day you know wake up and and the simplest thing you can do to take care of your mental health is what intention do you have for today Mm. is it is it courage are you going to show a little courage are you going to just be kind to yourself in whatever way that is right just make it your intention today that whatever you do, you're just going to be kind. Or are you going to be compassionate? Or are you going to have action-oriented? And it can repeat the other day. Unless you have an intention, un- unless you have this structured goal setting, how would you know? And enjoy the journey while you're there. And, and let me tell you a secret. There's nobody in this world, unless uh, you're like a Dalai Lama state and you want to meditate, yeah. nobody in this world who can exist in this this eternal rosy thing called happiness mm. we are meant to feel happy for a certain amount of time yeah and we will feel sad disappointed angry frustrated upset at all other times and it is just a, it is just it is just how well you are able to identify that oh i'm happy great it will pass great then i'm sad that will pass too. I'm mm. angry. Why am I angry? How can I now navigate my situation from there to there? Because you already know these are just templates like 
symptoms of what what has to happen and in a full human experience is actually being able to yeah. feel that because you don't appreciate happiness if you haven't been sad you know what yes. i mean it's like it's like the roller coaster thing or in order to get to the top, you've got to go back down, you know, and it's the up and downs of life. And I think it is really important because a lot of people are chasing to be always happy. And I think obviously it's good, but also like know that there's going to be ups and downs and that's just part of life and that's okay. Yes. And you're not doing it wrong. You know, that's what everyone goes through. And for me, I often say don't chase the happiness, chase the peace. As far as you're peaceful in the state you are in and you're not you know, agitated enough that you actually don't feel at calm with yourself. There Mm. are people who are angry and know that they are at calm because they know that they are angry because they have been wronged. Mm. Something has happened. They need to take an action. That's okay. As far as you're at peace, at a calm level where you can go, okay, great. This is, I'm now like this, but I can handle this. That's okay. Happiness and sadness and and all those will come and go. What Mm. you need to be aiming for is how do I be at peace? Yeah. How do I know myself and be at peace? And how do I be myself and be okay with being myself? It's okay. You know, you, mm. you're you. you like a the only person on this earth who can be you and as cheesy and as yeah, cliched yeah. as that sounds. And, and I'm pretty sure if when my kids listen to it, they're going to go, ah, you said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just get to be you. So enjoy being you mm. because it's nobody like- else would know you unless you let them know who you are it's a concept we talk about you know wearing masks it's like you've got different masks when you're with different friend groups and at work you might have a mask it's how often are you just authentically you Mm. how often are you just taking your masks off and you're just living you and it's harder to do with social media comparison judgment and all that stuff but it is one of the most important things i think you can do Mm. and like figure out your identity in your 20s as well like what are your values everything you mentioned but like we've still got a little bit of time but i'd love to just ask my final question and feel free to take us along with it because, you know, we can unpack it and whatnot. But what would your number one piece of advice be to a younger person nowadays, like an 18-year-old? Or I guess to your, your kids. To a younger person today, I would just tell, tell them, don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to fail at things and don't be afraid to feel disappointed at failing things at all. One of the the, the gravest mistakes or, again, one of the things or regrets you would have in life is about not trying it and you will never regret trying something. Um, so, and how will I know if I'm making something? If you are, ever feel like, oh, should I do this or should I not do this? And you're kind of weighing that option. Mm. My suggestion is do it. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're in that place where you're asking yourself, should I do this or should I not do it? Then do it. So then, then people say to me, you're telling an 18-year-old to take do whatever they want. What about the risks? Are you telling them to do, you know, whatever they want in life? I, I, I tell them that's where your peers come in. So if when you are trying new things, obviously I'm asking you to take calculated risks. Mm. Risks that will kind of put you outside your comfort zone, however, will keep you emotionally, psychologically safe Mm. sometimes not physically safe because if you want something to try you know an adventurous sport or something Mm. you may get hurt that's okay you know things can be meant but at at a certain expected of and there are different risks and you can calculate risks with certain people always brainstorm always always connect with yourself and with another person well on their deathbeds kind of studies with people on deathbeds a lot of people 
very rarely did they regret the risks they took, but so often they regretted the risks that they didn't take. Mm-hmm. And so, because they don't know. Because mm. like, at least if you take the risk and you gave it a shot, even if you fail, first of all, you're going to grow from that. You're going to learn from it. But at least you now know, at least I gave it a shot. And you can move on to what you're going to do. And that's my thing. If we're talking to 18-year-olds, right? It's like, you have so much time in the world. There's no rush. You could, re- you could spend the next five years taking risk after risk and then you can still go to university and you're still going to be you know, 26 and you're working in the field that you want to work in or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like you have so much time. Take the risks now. And again, obviously take it with a grain of salt. Don't do something absolutely insane and crazy. But I do love it. It's like if you're on that teetering on that edge of like, should I do it? Should I not? Just do it. Yes, just do, just it. do it. Just do it. And also, you we were talking about, uh, you know, jumping about cliffs and 18-year-olds. One of the things I often say that um, is in terms of uni, uh, you often think that you have to do this linear thing mm. where I have to do my HSC, figure out what I want to do in life and, and then be that. And say we have a normal life expectancy of 70 years, right? Think about it like this. If you get it wrong, you're going to spend 40 to 50 years of life really yeah. messed up. Yeah. Would you rather take 10 years of your life figuring out each year trying one thing? Mm. What is the harm? You would have learned for 10 years. And there are something called transferable skills. Yes. While you are doing it, just note down what you did. You know, enjoy what you did. Learn from the process. And say if you're investing 10 years to know who you are. The rest of your life, you are going to do, be, and, you know, be a member of the community, actually contributing in a positive way. It's almost like an investing in yourself for those 10 years. And say if you're 28 and you live in a country like Australia, where you can pursue degrees, courses, anything you want, anything you want. Mm. And if not, there are a lot of other opportunities with YouTube, with TikTok, you know, And, and there are a lot of employers at the moment with the startups and techs and, and again, it's this generation is savvy asses. I don't have to tell them about it. Mm. But the world is your oyster. The first thing you have to think about uh, as soon as you graduate or if you're 18 is how how well can I know myself by in five years' time? Honestly, if you use 25 as a bench, like you could do 20. Mm-hmm. But let's say 25 is the testing benchmark, mm-hmm. like the testing trial period. That gives you seven years. The amount of stuff you can learn in seven years and do and say, I'm not 25, mm. I'm, I'm 24 next week. So I've still got time. I'm still in my testing phase and I've, I've reset. Mm. You know, stuff I've learned, I could grow and like build and stuff. It's just insane. And I love that. It's like if, this, if you make this mistake, it's going to cost you 50 years of your life or it might cost you 20 years and then you finally switch when you're at 35 or 40, have a midlife crisis sort of thing and you go, oh, this isn't what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you the amount of parents at these events who go, I wish I had this when I was younger. Mm. And they go, you know, because we, we run Empower You for kids. We run the same program for their parents. Mm. And we teach them the same stuff. A little bit different, but almost the same stuff. And they go, the main difference is the kids are full of hope. The parents have a bit more regret. They go, oh, these skills are amazing. I'm going to use them. But I wish I had this when I was 15, 16, 17. Now I'm 55 years old. I'm retiring in 10 years. And it's like, they're still grateful for it. But there's nowhere near as much hope. And so the advantage that young people have over us is time Mm -hmm. and use that advantage. Like don't be in a rush. There is no rush at all, especially if you're living in a country like actually anywhere in the world at the moment, but there's no rush at all. I would rather, so this is what I know as a a 45 year old. If I had known what I know today, which is like for 25 years into my being in this world, I would have completely been a different person. I would have been a better mom. I would have been... Uh, a better human being in itself 
and that's worth the investment, mm. right? I still have thirty years. I'm thinking to go, yeah, so yeah. it's good that I changed my career. But it becomes extremely hard. It's almost like changing an engine while while running it. Yeah. So pick your engine properly. So take time. Fix the engine. Fix the wheels. Fix the kind of vehicle you want to travel in. Mm. Take time rather than rushing towards everybody who's going around the production line thinking. That's that's what is said for you. It's a great model, but if you don't test it, you won't know if the model works for you. Exactly. Well, Rupa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Love this chat. We had so much to say. Um, if everyone want to get in contact with you, come along to your mental fitness. I forgot what it's called. Mind Shifra? Mind Shetra. 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 If I pronounce that wrong, I'm sorry. No, um, okay. But yeah, if anyone wants to come along, where's the best place to go to get in contact uh, with you? You can go to my website. I'm yeah. on social, medias as w- uh, social media as well. It's www.mindshetra.com.au. So M-I-N-D-K-S-H-E-T-R-A dot com dot A-U. And I'll put all the links in the bio. But otherwise, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Byron, for having me.